Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. My name is Joe Bray and I'm delighted to be joined by City writer uh, Simon Bykowski. How are you doing, Simon? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a nice, quiet day of press conferences ahead of uh, City versus Liverpool and that's what we're here to talk about today. But I think before we get on to the big game, let's talk about where how we've got to this stage. City are on a fantastic run. Liverpool are on a less fantastic run. Um, you've been at the last few games. Where What state are City in? 13 unbeaten on the back of the, the pretty hard-fought win, I think you have to say, against Burnley. What what state do you think City are in? Um, yeah, they've they've never looked better this season. Um, they've rarely looked better at any point under, under Guardiola. They obviously looked superb when they beat West Brom 5-0 uh, last week. And then since two kind of difficult games, Sheffield United at home and Burnley away. But what kind of struck you about the City team was just how much control they had. They they might not have created as much chances um, as they did against West Brom or scored as many goals, but they got ahead early in the game and then they just didn't let Burnley or Sheffield United get a glove on them. It was just like masterclasses in control and how to win a football match. It kind of reminded me of their form the back end of the 18-19 season when they were beating teams like Burnley and, and Leicester and teams like that, they were just, you know, so controlled, so good. They scored clearly the goals that they needed to and, um, yeah, they just look so incredibly solid at the minute, which is very, very pleasing for any City fans. Yeah, definitely. I think what struck me was that you, from the moment they scored against Burnley in the third minute, that was the game over. There was never any doubt that Burnley were going to get back into it. And even at the start of this 13-game winning run or the 20-game unbeaten run as a whole, you sensed that City needed a second goal. And there were a few games where they were probably a bit fortunate to get a win only by one goal. But in the last couple of weeks or so, it's been absolutely ruthless. And um, I think a lot of that has been down to the tactics from Guardiola. We've obviously seen Jao Cancelo turn from a good right back into a very good midfielder out of nowhere. But uh, what what do you think it's been down to this, this run of form? Um, it, it kind of has to be the attack, I suppose, because the defence has always been there this season. Um, and mm-hmm. even, you know, when they were struggling to get the attack going against kind of United and West Brom, those were the, the difficult points in December. Um, they the, the attack wasn't really firing, but they were still getting those clean sheets. But... Now it's you've got you mentioned Cancelo, he's kind of been key to the recovery, as has Ilkay Gundogan, and just all those runs from midfield and into the final third that the players are making now that they they weren't necessarily making before. Um, they, they now look like a team that have played together for for four years and and know exactly where every player is going to be all the time, which is interesting because they've sort of almost mastered how to play without a striker. But Gabriel Jesus is is fit again and has scored in the last two games. So it's quite an interesting uh, selection poser for Guardiola as to whether Jesus will play and they'll play with the centre forward or whether they're better off going without. I don't know what what you do in that situation. Uh, Well, I think Jesus has got three goals in three starts, isn't it? And if you look back to the return fixture at the Etihad, he had a very good game against Liverpool, scored a very good goal. So I think City are better when they have a central striker um, even if it's not a recognised striker even if it's someone playing in that position um, but I, I think Jesus's form would benefit from carrying on um, against against Liverpool especially against a Liverpool defence which could be one of about six or seven reserve defenders so I think he would 
that I think he'd be disappointed if he didn't play and he'd fancy his chances of, of getting there and scoring a few goals. I think earlier in the run, there was a few games where City were putting countless crosses into the box and there was no one there. And you're just crying out for someone like Jesus or Aguero, obviously wasn't fit at the time, but you, you just needed someone there on the end to, to poke it home. And I think sometimes City do need that player. I'm not sure if, if City had played a false nine against Burnley, they would have had a player in the position where Jesus scored when Nick Pope fumbled it. I don't think someone would have naturally felt the need to be there. So I think City are better when they have Jesus. But like you say, the selection poses all over the pitch. You mentioned the defence. Would you go with a back a back three, a back four? Which def- which central defenders would you pick? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think you go with a back four, but with the notion that Cancelo is basically a central attacking midfielder whenever they've got the ball. Um, for, for me, that that back four against Burnley is the one to go with. Um, it's harsh on Alex Inchenko, who's been very good. It's harsh on Kyle Walker. Um, but I just think Can- Cancelo edges him at the minute um, because he brings so much to the team. You can't break Stones and Diaz up. And Laporte showed what he brings at left-back against Burnley. He's... Uh, He's also played a left-back before against Liverpool a few times, so he knows what he's doing. So that's kind of where where I'd go up for that. It's just it's strange, you know, comparing the riches at the back to last season when they went to Anfield with like Claudio Bravo and Angelino and Fernandinho at the back. It, it It's a complete role reversal. And then you've got Liverpool, who were so solid at the back and... This season, I've got so many injuries. Can't you know? Can't well. I've had to buy two centre backs. Yeah, um, I think it'll be. It's fascinating to me to see how mirror image this season is from last season, just with the roles reversed. Because City were the defending champions, had a lot of problems with the defence injury wise, a lot of problems with form for key players and. And the other team just couldn't stop winning. And it's exactly the same, just, just the other way around. And City need to do what Liverpool did last season and just continue winning. Don't don't let the other team have a chance when they get the players back to be in with a shout at the title. And if, if City can go 10 points clear of Liverpool with a game in hand, then it will be very, very hard for Liverpool, even in this season, to to come back. I think I would disagree with you on the, uh, the back four, back three pose. I think I'd play Kyle Walker just because... Liverpool's wingers have caused City problems in the past. I think if you play a back three, they're going to punish you with the, with the space that they can create on the wings and on the break. So I think I'd I'd drop Laporte only because, you can, as you say, you can't break up Stones and Diaz. I think I'd move Cancelo over to the left because you can't drop him at the moment wherever he plays. He's just in good form. And I think I'd bring in Walker on the right, but I wouldn't want to be in Pep Guardiola's shoes because it's he, he can't he can win because he's got a lot of good players in good form but he can't win because he's got too many players to fit into that defence. I wanted to get your thoughts on Amo Laporte's pre-match interview at Burnley. He he was asked a fairly standard question of how's your season been? You've struggled with injury with COVID and then uh, Stones and Diaz have been in, in so good form you expected a fairly simple answer but he said he was he didn't say he was thinking about his future, but he said he's happy to be here. He'll play. He'll see what what happens between now and the end of the season. What did you make of that? <laughs> uh, completely <laughs> unnecessary, really. Um, I just thought, what are you doing? You've got back in the team, and now you're saying things like that. 
Um, unlikely to go down very well with Guardiola, um, who makes such a big thing out of his players, you know, needing to come into training with a smile on the face, needing to be, you know, the same whether they're playing or not. Um, if they're not playing, showing why they should be playing, and that there have obviously been reasons why Laporte hasn't been playing, um, and he'll know those reasons. Um, but at the same time, kind of every player that is at City needs to believe that they are the best in their position, and that's why they should be in the team every week. And Guardiola has even said that Laporte is still kind of the best left-sided defender in the world when when he's at his best. So, so yeah, I mean Laporte needs to needs to focus on showing that he's the best rather than uh, complaining about about not playing. I don't think there's any real danger in uh, him being sold or or anything like that at the end of the summer. I think it was uh, perhaps a, a throwaway comment, um, a bit like Jurgen Klopp's today, uh, that sparked yeah. a lot of anger, didn't it? Um, Klopp saying that City had a two-week COVID break while Liverpool have not had any any rest. That uh, certainly caused a bit of a stir, didn't it? Yeah, I think Klopp knew exactly what he was doing there. Um, personally, I think that was something out of the playbook of Mourinho or Wenger or Ferguson to, to distract from what is a pretty rubbish run of form, pretty rubbish run of injuries. Liverpool, you probably would say, are the underdogs in, in a game that they've never been an underdog in before when you put into account City's record at Anfield. So I think he would was quite happy to to generate the headlines for that press conference and and throw it over to Guardiola and City would obviously come and defend themselves because it was clearly untrue what he was saying. But again, I think Guardiola won't won't mind too much to to be given a, a line to to return within his press conference because he he doesn't want to draw attention to the title race or any notion that City are favourites for for the title or what this result could do. So it was a, a nice bit of drama on a on a Friday afternoon. What what did you make of it? Yeah, see, if Klopp did mean it, then it just, Guardiola said, you know, it, maybe it was a misunderstanding, but I didn't think Jürgen was that kind of manager to, to say these things. And and if he did mean it, then it, it kind of proves that point, because whenever Klopp or Guardiola try and play these mind games in press conferences, it, it's always terrible. It never goes like as well as they want it or as well as kind of Mourinho or other people. You know, they, they know how to how to play these games, whereas uh, Klopp and Guardiola don't. I, I I sort of more more generous than you think it might have just been a, a slip of the tongue that uh, wasn't properly fact checked before he before he said it. But like you say, it certainly helps Guardiola and City to to build up for for Sunday and, uh, and make sure that they are firmly ready because City can afford to draw this game, whereas and City can arguably afford to lose it, uh, whereas Liverpool really can't. You sort of think that a win for City um, will pretty much see them finish above Liverpool, do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think it's getting to the stage where anyone who finishes above City will will win the league. So, like you say, if Liverpool do slip 10 points with a game in hand, in favour of City, then it's going to be really, really difficult. But I'm, I've said all along that this season is going to be a case case of the team that wins the Premier League will be the team that manages the resources better, has the best luck with injuries, with COVID, um, and City have the resources to do that. 
Guardiola made the point that they had 14 players to play Chelsea after after their not two week break, and they've gone and, and absorbed that within the squad. I'm not sure there's many other squads in the Premier League who who would be able to do that, but uh, City are, are on a on a roll, and and it's just, they're putting the early season pattern behind them where little teams were going and beating big teams and, and put, causing up shocks. And, and we've seen Liverpool fall foul of that. And they've had rotten luck with injuries, Liverpool. I think it's it's easy to say, oh, they're on a bad run of form. They, they have had awful luck with injuries and, and it has stopped them from mounting a, uh, a title challenge. And I, I say that at this stage of the season, it might come back and they might turn things around. But um, I think City will will see this game and think we've got a, we've never had a better opportunity to beat Liverpool in the current run that they're on. Of, I think, is it no Premier League win since 2003 or something like that? They're not going to have a better chance to to win at Anfield, given their form and given given Liverpool's form. Um, we discussed the defence before. Let's let's go forward and and pick who who the best midfield and attack is. Oh no, we've we've discussed the attack a little bit, haven't we? Midfielders. Um, I've heard a lot of uh, support for Fernandinho in the defensive midfield role in the last few days. What, what's your thoughts on on that? And is is Rodri's place under threat from Fernandinho in these kind of games? Obviously, now Fernandinho will start, but <laughs> no, surely it's time for Rodri. Surely it is Rodri's time. Um, I was talking about Rodri earlier, and I feel like you know he's had a lot of criticism. He's not the quickest. Um, it took a while to adapt to the English game and he wasn't used to playing as a sole holding player. Uh, when you put him alongside Gundogan, they, they're certainly not the quickest. Um, but it, it feels like um, watching the team in recent weeks, what has returned has been City's ability to win the ball back very, very quickly. And as soon as they lose the ball from the front, every player... Uh, fights to win that ball back within 10 seconds. And that kind of dropped off last season and part of this season, understandably given, you know, the the conditions and they didn't have a pre-season and all that. But I think now that you are seeing that work from the forwards, I think Rodri looks a lot better um, because, you know, it doesn't matter how good he is. If he's not getting any help from the players in front of him, then he's going to be exposed and he's going to look... Um, look worse than he is. Uh, and I kind of think he's been, yeah, pretty good in the last in the last few games. He, he's growing into his role and I feel like this is this game could be quite important uh for sort of everyone to see how how important he is to the team, maybe. Yeah, I I think I would agree. I'd 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 personally start start Rodri um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of midfield and attack he comes up against because Liverpool have been stretched around and uh, the normal midfield has lost Henderson and Thiago is very good um, but he doesn't seem to have the results to back that up yet um, and he doesn't have the players around him that he would do at Liverpool's full strength so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that but without Kevin De Bruyne it seems crazy a couple of weeks ago three weeks ago when he got injured City haven't looked like they've missed him because of the impact of uh, Ilkay Gundogan, who's in incredible form. Bernardo Silva, I think, has been... He, I think he's back to his sort of peak of a couple of years ago where he's everywhere on the pitch. And I think he's added a tactical 
uh, awareness to his game where you saw him against Sheffield United and Burnley. He was mopping up in the Rodri role to when when the, the midfielders lost the possession to stop the defenders having to do anything. And and then he was popping up and uh, winning a corner at the other end. And I, I think it was at Burnley, the, the TV cameras zoomed in on him in, in injury time and he was uh, very, very tired, shall we say. He looked like he just uh, put a proper shift in. So, um, it, but I don't, I don't think City have really missed Kevin De Bruyne. A lot of credit goes to Joao Cancelo for filling in in midfield as well. But what midfield would you go with at Liverpool? Sorry. Yeah, I, I think it picks itself, doesn't it? It's Rodri, Gundogan, and and Bernardo. Um, yeah, I remember speaking to Bernardo during his eighteen nineteen season and saying, like, do you not get tired? I think it was after he'd run a stupid amount in the two one win over Liverpool, and he was just kind of. Very much like I'm young, I'm healthy, you know, I, I, I sleep a lot. If if I can't run all the time, then there's an issue. He just didn't think anything of it. He's just, he's a, like a Duracell bunny just nipping around the pitch all the time. And Gundogan has been incredible, really. Yeah, he, he's kind of divided a lot of people for a long time and he's, he's struggled to sort of be acclaimed uh, as much as some other members of the squad. But um some of the goals he's been scoring in the last few weeks have just been amazing to see. The two at West Brom uh, were really good. But yeah, like you say, he, those two, um, but especially Gundogan, because I think Bernardo was kind of expected to fill in for De Bruyne. But um, Gundogan especially has uh, has really stepped up and it seems daft to think that City are going to Anfield without the best player and the best centre forward and we're not so doom and gloom about it really yeah absolutely it's um i think it's what pep guardiola has wanted for a long time that, that if a key player is missing uh someone else will will come in and that's probably why in his press conference he was making it strange to say that city aren't making any excuses maybe that's in relation to what to what jürgen klopp had said before but he, he's right <laughs> that there are players uh picking up and i think gundogan's been recognized with the player of the month nomination along with john stones so that'll be interesting to see if either of them win it i, I can't see any other player in the premier league rivaling one of those so i would guess it's one of those two to win it but we'll see what happens stranger things have happened going forward into the attack we've got by my, my account two more two more places in the in the starting 11 that we're, we've somehow come on to decide um who's on your your wing places <laughs> Uh, well, I wouldn't necessarily play Jesus up front. Um, right. I I think I'd play him based on the last two games. And like you say, Sheffield United and Burnley, he was in the six-yard box to score. Um, I think that's important. But he's still he's he's still not a number nine, is he? Um, and you know, for me, his best performances came against Real Madrid, and they were on the left wing. So I'd be tempted to kind of play him in a, a revolving, a rotating front line um, with both Gundogan and Bernardo, but also the two other wingers. I think the two other wingers attackers um, I would pick would be Sterling and Foden. Uh, I just think they're they're in the best form. Foden's been, again, essential over the last month and uh, Sterling looks Looks in very good form. Was uh, was good at Burnley, so I would I would go with those. I think. Would you find any room for Torres or Mares? Um, I think Mares deserves a lot of credit for his performances in the last couple of weeks. I think at Burnley he was very good. Um, was unlucky not to score with that very very close offside. Um, but yeah, like you say, Foden's rested. He's in form. 
He played well against Liverpool at the end of last season. I think his movement will be important to against a, what will be an inexperienced defence. I think Sterling always seems to have a point to prove against Liverpool. And and I, I like the idea that you've, you've proposed there of the, the rotating front three. And But it's not even that. I think Chris Wilder put it great, where he's like, it's a front three, but then it's a front four or five or a front eight. Because a certain, now you start throwing Jao Cancelo in the mix, any of those players can play in four, five, six positions. And you're just keeping the opposition guessing. And it's... It must be a nightmare to to coach a team against City and come up with a plan. As Chris Wilder made a quite a funny point of saying, "I've got no plan. I've got no idea." So when when Jurgen Klopp lines up on the warm ups and has a look at the City team, I don't think he'll he'll gain anything really. I think he'll just have to wait and see and and hope for the best. But I mean, Liverpool will have a plan. They'll they'll look after after their own forwards and and try and catch City on the break, but. I'm I'm tempted. I, I I can't see past City. I can't see City losing, which is always a, a kiss of death, isn't it? But um, I, th- I think City's form and the players that they've got in form, um, I think City will will fancy the chances of scoring a couple. Maybe. What do you think? It's going to be one of these games that it's going to be open. We've had a couple of them between City and Liverpool in the past. Or is it going to be? A more restrained one like the last meeting because it's it's a tricky tricky balance to find, isn't it? It is a cagey one. City were certainly circumspect in the first game that they played this season uh, in November, but then they had so many injury issues and fatigue and things like that. So um, I, I feel like you know Guardiola doesn't set out to draw, so they will set out to try and win. And it, it's hard. Someone asked me, you know, where where will Liverpool fans? to get in at City and it's been so long since anyone got at them it, it's hard to think of it you know a way that they could set pieces maybe but counter-attacks but then they haven't really been countered um you you do feel like City are in a much stronger position and do go into the game as favourites and should win it but then there is this psychology of Anfield and the um City's terrible record there and that has followed on under Guardiola Sterling's never done particularly well there. Gundogan was picked ahead of Sterling in the Champions League game there and that all fell apart. So, you know, there are a number of narratives that could be put to bed on Sunday or could continue because, you know, Liverpool are in a weak position, but City would be remiss to to rule them out and they won't be ruling them out because, you know, they've, they've got where they are and they've won the trophies they've won under Guardiola by not underestimating any opponent and they will will go there thinking that you know they're facing the champions and they need to beat the champions but um I, I think they will start strongly and take the game to Liverpool and see how that defense holds up against um what they've what they've got yes yeah, it's a good point you make there about city's defense because we've been treated to some fantastic displays from stones and Diaz and I, I love the stat that they've, they've yet to concede when they play with Edison as well, but they've not necessarily, as you say, had a, an, an attack of the quality of um, Mane and Firmino and Salah, assuming that they all play go, going at them. They've, they've, they've benefited from, on paper, easier games in the last couple of couple of months. They've had to win them. They've not won them in the past. They've, they've deserved credit for winning them, but it'll be interesting to see if we assume that Diaz and Stones will play what what they will do against a, a team that will get at them and 
uh, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to, to see that as, as a test of that partnership, really. And, and we know that Guardiola likes a, a tactical surprise or two, and he, he, he tends to double, double think and triple think against bigger teams in big games like this. So it's, uh, I think it will be a, a, a test of where City are at after, after a 13-game winning run, which is, I think there's a, a debate whether it's record-breaking or whatever, but it's, it's a very impressive feat. Now they've got to go to Liverpool, then to against Spurs, and then Arsenal, um, and back it up as well. I think if they come through that, that will be a re- real a way of saying, okay, maybe they are actual title challengers. What what do you think will come up against City in the next few games after Liverpool as well, as well as the uh, the game at Anfield? Yeah, no, it, it's tough. I I like by the way that you say they've not come up against uh, against anyone good. You'll get points for saying that two matches against Manchester United haven't been testing for, for Stones and Diaz. Um, but, well, when I'm going to hold that test up for a nil-nil, I can't, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't say that. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's a very tough run. Um, yeah, in the league, it's Liverpool away, Tottenham at home, Everton away, Arsenal away, West Ham at home and United at home. So all teams in the top six, top eight. And then Swansea away in the FA Cup is a a tough midweek trip. They've got the Champions League where there's uncertainty over where that game is going to be going to be played um, the first leg or whether they'll have to switch or anything like that. So it's we, we will know far more about um, City's title credentials come March the 6th or whatever it is in that United game because they'll have had a real gauntlet to get through in February and there's no let up for them. But on, I, I guess the thing you could say about them is that uh, one thing they've strengthened this year is they've not really suffered the defeats that they did last season. I think they lost kind of one in four games last year. They've not lost since Tottenham away, which was coming up three months, two and a half months. And the time before that was Leicester uh, in September. So if these teams want to finish above City, they're going to have to try and try and beat them, Um, which is, you know, it's one thing to stop City, which... Not many teams have been able to do in recent months, but it's another thing to to beat them as well. So, you know, Guardiola will say that they'll play every game to win and they will try and win every game. But um, it, at the same time, it won't be. It may not be too disappointing if they, they don't take maximum points from from these games coming up over over the uh, the next month or so, um, especially if you can combine that with, with progress in the Cups. Um, it feels like this next month is really kind of going to drag us on and pull us towards the business end of the season really things that are starting to to get exciting and and this game on on Sunday obviously kicks that off yeah definitely I saw a, a stat the other day that that defeat against Tottenham which is obviously the last time City lost was the first game after Pep Guardiola's new contract so since Guardiola signed his new contract they've lost one game and gone 20 20 unbeaten since then so maybe that's I mean it must have some sort of effect of reassuring everyone at the club that there is a long-term plan and you know it's it's difficult to say but having that reassurance has has clearly boosted City but yeah now that now they've got a few more games against other teams that are competing for the same things is it's going to be a test and I think City are in a good position to be for for that test because if they'd come in in the say the position that Liverpool are losing a few games, you'd worry about them. Now you're thinking they can beat anyone that comes in front of them because they're they're only concerned about themselves, which is uh, obviously where you want to be. And City have had 
City won titles in the past with that mentality of just one game at a time, winning and winning and winning. I think before we uh, wrap up, you can't go one of these big games without a combined 11. And that seems the question that's always there. I tried to do on the, the other day and I, I could only fit in three Liverpool players and I did it on form. So no Virgil van Dijk, no Kevin De Bruyne. But what would you say, for example, would Trent Alexander-Arnold get in over Jao Cancelo or Kyle Walker? What, which Liverpool players would get in uh, the City side? Let's put it that way. Yeah, I feel like I saw yours and it was pretty much spot on. Um, I'm trying to think. I Yeah, I, I feel like Robertson probably deserves to get in at left-back on the basis of City not really having one. Um, yeah. And then... Mm-mm. Salah obviously gets in up front. City don't really have that that number nine number presence. And then mm. I wanted to maybe, put Thiago yeah, in maybe. because I really like him. Yeah. But I thought City's midfield three at the moment is so settled and so so good that I think on form they, they edge it for me personally. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because obviously like like Robertson you would put in but then if Cancelo's playing then you need someone to sort of <laughs> stay back basically and not bomb forward um so just Robertson stay in you yeah these hypothetical things I think Mane, Salah and Robertson I think was that the three you went for as well yeah, yeah. it is yeah I, I think, I think it, uh, it's the last few ones last few meetings of these sides it's always been the fullbacks have been Liverpool without without a doubt. So I think it's credit to, to City at right back that they've got two very, very good options there. I think, I, I never agree with this, but all, all the pundits of uh, on TV and who cover football nationally always pick Alisson over Edison. I personally think Edison offers more to, to City than Alisson does to, to Liverpool just because he's he's so crucial to the way they play. I think they're very, very equal in terms of shot stopping, but Edison's on-the-ball abilities trump that for me. But yeah, it's uh, it's a different looking debate when it comes to combined 11s than, than we've seen recently, isn't it? Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it, it feels like Edison suits City and Alisson suits Liverpool. Um, yeah. Alisson is maybe a bit better at shot stopping and the defensive aspects of the game, but Edison um, is kind of unrivaled in, in what he can do with the ball at his feet. Um, and certainly against in the last few games, he's been really, really good at getting through two teams that have pressed City quite well, actually. So, um, I mean, he had a mistake in him at Anfield in the 17-18 season. So, uh, there's there's always pressure on. But, yeah, it, it's it's a testament to how City have um, turned things around, really. Because even a few months ago, I don't think that team... You know, Liverpool were top at the end of December, which really isn't that long ago. So, if we were doing a predicted eleven then... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been more fairly split, but it's just a reflection, I guess, of how in form City are and how how much Liverpool are struggling. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, I, I, I don't want to finish this without saying that Liverpool are struggling because they haven't got the injuries that's played such a huge part. And they wouldn't have gone to Preston to sign a centre-back if they didn't have all the injuries. But this that's exactly why City have got to take advantage on, on Sunday. And, and I think for this side... Guardiola has not a blind spot but he's got a point to prove against Liverpool given the history given last season pipping them to the title not even pipping them running away with the title the Champions League I think it I don't want to use the phrase it means more related to Liverpool but I think it might mean a little bit more for Guardiola to beat this Liverpool side so before we go what is your prediction for the big game on uh, on Sunday? Oh <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to say 
the the head says two nil to City, but there is just something niggling that says they might get done over. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think I'll go two one City. I don't think it'll be a, a runaway one. I think it'll be a, a tight tactical affair. But I'm just looking at that Liverpool defence and and the City in form, midfield and attack, and surely there'll be a couple of opportunities to to do that. So we will uh, yeah. leave it there. Thanks very much, Sai, for joining us. Enjoy it to, to Anfield because whatever happens, it should be a good game. Touch wood. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. So thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Talking City podcast and we'll be back, I'm sure, in the near future with uh, another look at all things City in uh, what, as we've discussed, will be a crucial month or so for the Blues.